Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome back to the evil lesbian, I mean, thespian podcast. Um, uh. <laughs> Josh, how was your week? How's everything? It's been good because I'm currently unemployed. So, so. Awesome. Great. I've been I've been watching a lot of succession. So yes. Oh my gosh. It's so good. It's the only show that really I find myself screaming at the TV. Like I, I've been sitting on my couch just scre- yelling like loud. The writing is the writing is so good. Like it's, it's spot on. And yeah. even though it's uh very satirical. Are you okay? I must drop my okay. drink. Okay. <laughs> okay. So what's oh, what's shit. the what's the drink? Uh, uh, what's the rum to lemonade ratio this time? <laughs> um. Yeah, it's a, a rum and lemonade. Um. I, I I didn't think that I put. I tried to put more lemonade in it this time than I did the last time, but clearly I'm uh not doing. Just, very just, well in my proportions that's just eyeball things that's how all great things are uh no new inventions are created so right just um, like just feeling it out just just feel it out just go with the flow just go oh, with it God. um <laughs> uh did you start the timer or oh shit i didn't yeah yeah um sorry <laughs> yeah no no worries i'm glad i remembered um well we should get into it so i guess we're talking about the one one of my favorite things uh the greek god dionysus the mm-hmm. god of uh primarily well many things many things uh, i think colloquially dionysus is always talked about as kind of like the god of partying and just having sex and doing it but in ancient greek times he the Dionysus, the god, was seen as uh, the god of receding into religious ecstasy and the act of drinking wine and being inebriated by wine because it was so prevalent in the area was of spiritual act because it brought about your spirit. Um, and yeah. He's all, and he's also the god of theater. Yes, the god of theater and and, you know, I think when they would uh, worship the gods, they they did it in a very theatrical way. Um, in ancient Greece, they didn't really have a lot of um, yeah. They they worshipped in a very theatrical way um, that included a lot of dance and yeah, um, yeah stuff stuff like that and um, yeah acting out things. And yeah, ritual, and, rituals. <laughs> yeah, and sacrificing like yeah. a goat, mm-hmm. which is like how we get the word tragedy. From yeah, tragos. Yeah, um, cool. they saw. I think Dionysus is largely saw as sort of a human embodiment of a glass of wine. They, the ancient Greeks, kind of saw grapes as tiny pieces of Dionysus's body, kind of like. The, the Eucharist <laughs> and that uh, Dionysus is kind of just a, a bunch of grapes, basically. <laughs> He's just bodies just made up of a bunch of grapes. Uh, it's really interesting. And it really wasn't until 
these philosophers like Schopenhauer and Nietzsche started um, using Dionysus and Apollo as a metaphor for, um, you know, what, what, what you should do and, you know, as kind of as a metaphor for our carnal animalistic instincts yeah. and our consciousness, um, which is fine because they're philosophers, they're not historians, but it is a very apt metaphor for uh, the, you know, the conscious mind knowing uh, what's appropriate and what to do and, you know, what you are tempted to do by your, you know, animalistic desires. Right. And a, a, a really, I like the, the Dionysian, versus Apollonian uh, Mm -hmm. analysis is very appealing to me because I, as a Gemini, (laughs) I am really drawn to like duality. And so like, Mm -hmm. it just like really makes sense to me to like view the world through like hard line versus like uh, chaotic wavy nature. Yeah. I, um, you know, I'm always thinking about this when, um, I'm going through my work week and I'm thinking, okay, I have to, cause Apollo, uh, was the God of the Oracle and the prophecy. And, um, if you, so, and, and also Dionysus was also the God of fertility. So if you yeah. wanted to conceive a child, you would do an offering to Dionysus. If you wanted your child to like have a good future or learn a skill, do an offering to Apollo. So, I usually am like thinking about like, okay, this week, Monday through Friday, I got to be like Apollo or whatever. And then on Friday nights, I'm like, okay, I have to uh, honor Dionysus by getting drunk and watching Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares again (laughs) till 2 a.m. Exactly. (laughs) It's it's (laughs) important to have the balance. And um, all 12 of the Greek Olympians were seen as a part of the cosmology of man and nature as it was understood by uh, the Greeks at that time, those ancient times. Um, And yeah, they were kind of uh, ahead of the game because even pre-Socratic thought was kind of like everything is water and everything is made up of some kind of something that's connected to nature. Um, So they're not really far off and it's definitely relevant dynamic and metaphor um, to this day. I've, I've had many, um, many moments in my life where I'm, I've thought, of, oh no, like I should not have. <laughs> you gave into the Dionysian I chaos. I really gave into the, well, cause I also saw, um, cause I thought grapes came from the underworld um, and saw Dionysus as sort of the god of the underworld uh mm. in, in in some way not like the not like in the hades hades way but they thought like grapes came from i mean in case they came from the ground so again yeah. right 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 like yeah. there's a dark there's a dark underbelly to yeah. dionysus that um you know sometimes gets overshadowed yeah. by all the ecstasy and all the great stuff that happens yeah but it can quickly turn into violence and horrible things <laughs> yeah and i i think all 12 of uh, the the olympians and like their values and all of the greek gods uh, i don't and i don't think that they necessarily they kind of saw them all as what's important as applied to um, living a vital balanced life um mm-hmm. What's what's inter- what's interesting to me is the uh, Dionysian uh, tradition and worship was carried um, along into the Roman Empire, and mm. uh, 
the Bacchanalia as uh, written by Livy, uh, it, was, it's, it was very inflated um, and extremely uh, depicted as this wild free-for-all sex party, like <laughs> held three times a year. Um, but we really don't know for certain because uh, ancient uh, history is always prone to bias because it was just a couple guys writing at the time. So we don't know exactly uh, how <laughs> the Bacchanalia actually uh, went, but um, the way it's written about as uh, Libby depicts it is uh, definitely romantic for sure. Um, right. <laughs> just like a whole like huge sex party. It's everyone's going crazy. They're orgies. Um, but we're, I don't know if we can never really know for sure um, if that was really the case. Um, but it is very interesting. <laughs> right. And like the problem that I think we're seeing now is that people are totally like denying their Dionysian nature. Mm-hmm. And so then like yeah. we're running into problems where like people act really shocked when like, you know, they have these urges or like terrible things happen mm-hmm. that human beings do to one another. And, you know, but then it gets blamed on society as opposed to seeing how it's it's within our nature that it's constantly there mm-hmm. but like society is the thing that is like keeping it all in in its place it's interesting yeah and i would also say that a lot of times i feel like people are uh sort of dress dress actually very apollonian but they are dressing up as dionysian uh, or, right. or claim to be very uh, dionysian but i think what we know about <laughs> <laughs> like nature and uh you know for especially because uh dionysus was the god of fertility i mean it's extremely connected to um how nature is consequential um, and how there are always um, going to be consequences and um, that, you know, there there needs to be some kind of structure, you know? Right. Like you cannot present yourself Dionysian and expect an Apollonian outcome, you know, like you just can't like, you can't, um, you can't put a, like a little, yeah. It's like, you can't, do you want like a little TSA kiosk in front of every party and try to like quality control, every social gathering. It's like, you really can't. And um, that's, what's great also about partying is that uh, when you're young, is that anything can happen. uh, Even something (laughs) that might scare you or end your life. (laughs) Right. But like, that's the thrill of it is like the, the risk, the, the potential for it all to end right Mm -hmm. there. I miss like, I miss freshman year of college. (laughs) <laughs> so much I uh, I don't but I definitely understand and <laughs> I yeah I, I just think that um, sometimes when I step out into public I'm just like what are the stakes here the, the public life feels so uh, conservative and wrapped up and everyone's masking and people are walking over eggshells and no one wants to just like rip off their mask and be like, I'm gay, you know, like just do something. Right. Crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why I love, um, I, I don't go, I mean, I don't go out and party a lot, but I do have friends that make it extremely important to make sure that I like come out and um and socialize among people so those are good friends yes seriously i went to dinner (laughs) with a friend uh, this week and then we're going uh 
somewhere in a couple, like in the next two, in the next two weekends. So, um, yeah, I think it's all, all about balance and it's really, really important that people honor like Dionysus in this way where they have to, you have humans need to have some kind of release into some kind of spiritual ecstasy, um, whether it's like in a religion or in something that they love doing or, um, you know, or just with being among friends or if like they, you know, if you have like a hobby or something like that. So that's super important to honor. And, um, that's why, uh, you know, I love drinking and doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, like that's, and that, and that's the problem is that like, there is no, like we're in a culture, cultural moment right now where it's, it's on these very extreme ends. There is no like compromised in the middle where both the Apollonian and the Dionysian are both being honored. Mm -hmm. And so like right now we're just kind of in this awkward space, but I'm hopeful because like everything is cyclical. So like, I'm hopeful that something like an archetype will arise that will show us (laughs) a blueprint of how to honor both the Apollonian and the Dionysian in our, in our daily lives, especially for gay men. Oh my God. I know. I feel sorry for you guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so intense. So the intense. only the only archetypes that we have are like Pete and Chaston and Will and Grace type yuppie gay men. Yeah, it's always like these like yuppie white gay guys or like very extremely effeminate like b- black Circuit guys. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes yeah. it is like just very um super effeminate and like frail kind of gay guys. Um yeah. so but yeah interesting. Do you have any like uh because uh, so we're gonna talk briefly about the movie climax. I just watched it this morning. Um and I really I always come back to this movie because I really love um how the dance makes me feel. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like voguing and like the crumping that they do and the tutting that they do. I feel like that would be the only dance I would be good at because my arms are so gangly and long. <laughs> um, but I really just like the the music and the dance. It's super fun. And it, I think it does embody uh, the contradictions and uh, what what usually eventually ends up happening when we sort of recede into the most natural part of our impulses. So do we want to get into climax? Yeah, we'll get into okay, climax. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Um, so Gaspar Noe's climax Mm -hmm. came out in 2018 yeah i believe i think i think so um it's about a dance company that uh is about to like go on tour um but they just got done with a long rehearsal and they're having like an after party at the school place that they've been staying and uh, they start doing like drinking this sangria that's spiked with LSD and it quickly ter- like uh, descends into chaos and Absolute violence and <laughs> sexual uh, hedonism and just a, a wild time. Yeah. Um, I love this film. I, I love it so much. <laughs> it's really good. And 
it's just really beautiful. All of the dancers um, were kind of uh, just, are, were, a lot of them are just kind of random uh, people and dancers that the director um, curated together. And I think they made this movie relatively quickly. 15 days, like, yeah. Yeah, 15 days. And uh, it's really a sweet, almost a very, it's very sentimental to me because it's um, all of these uh, very professional, passionate dancers of the interviews in the beginning are very sweet and sentimental. And they're just yes. talking about how much they love dance and they, you know, if they couldn't dance, they don't know what they would do. And they're all really beautiful in um, their own ways. And um, yeah, really, really talented. I feel like if I was one of these dancers, like I'd probably get hit like whacked in the head with someone's arm uh, that was always me but um yeah I so eventually it becomes clear while they're partying that someone has spiked the punch and um they are trying to figure out who in the group did it and it just descends into absolute chaos and and, and madness and it's great and the whole film is like improvised. Like mm -hmm. Gaspar Noe didn't really have like a, a script. I mean, I'm sure he had like like rail guards, I guess, mm -hmm. of like what he wanted it to be. But like the fact that it's improvised is really cool. And like as an actor, like to just like let go, especially like those scenes where like what was her name? Um, Sophia, the main, Sophia the main, Butella, yeah, yeah, Selva. She plays <laughs> yeah. Selva. She like is making all these like irrational dance yeah. mo movements. <laughs> yeah. Um, when she's like, once the LSD is like really sad in, yeah. and like that is like, like to me, like that is like the best part of being an actor is to just like let go and not even think mm -hmm. at all about what you're doing. <laughs> you're just like writhing on the floor like looking like just letting yourself go into this like crazy spiritual realm I just I I love watching her yeah this whole movie is kind of about letting go in a way and uh just yeah, yeah um, receding into whatever the hell is going to happen it reminds me of many a college party I've attended in my past and you're at, like the and the the movement of the camera the more uh it, the, yes. <laughs> the more crazy and chaotic and um you know violent it gets the more the camera kind of moves you upside down and uh, makes you nauseous it feels like you feel as no, nauseous as the characters start to feel did you feel like at the beginning that it was very like voyeuristic like we were like watching this thing happen mm -hmm. but then as they start to descend into the chaotic the chaotic realm mm -hmm. they like the way that the camera like like starts the camera starts to like implicate us mm -hmm. and we, we feel like we're one of the yes people that's also been gotten poisoned as well like you feel kind of poisoned as uh you, this film poisons you more and more yes. throughout um that's definitely how i feel because just like there are moments like where you can tell it's getting more and more intense like the woman like locks her child away in the oh, little electricity room God. and then it starts getting more and more uh, intense and um, violent between all the characters and things are starting to become more and more contentious. And then the camera just like starts moving you around in these like 
weird, beautifully done ways where you feel like you're floating kind of when you're watching this movie. And um, in every scene, there's usually, even if when someone's talking, there's usually some kind of like dancer in the background that's still going, which is really funny um, (laughs) to me. It's awesome. Um, And yeah, and I like the way Gaspar Noe talks about this movie because you know, when you think of his movies, you think like, oh, it's like so uh, graphic and dangerous, but he is really docile when, you know, talking about this movie and he just, you know, it was just like a fun, it just seemed like a fun time uh, to make this movie. Um, It's a short time, you know, he said that he was really uh, gentle, obviously, with all of his actors, asked them what they were comfortable with and what they were not comfortable with, and even asked them what they wanted their character's name to be called. Um, so it just seemed mm. like a fun time. They weren't drinking alcohol or anything, and it just seemed like a fun movie to make. Right. Like, it feels, it almost sounds like it was like a devised theater piece, almost, like everybody like w- had their own say on what was going on and, you know, the reliance on like the physical aspects of, of it, you mm-hmm. know, is very divide, like has a uh, tradition in devised theater. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's good to know that like that type of <laughs> art is still yeah. being made yeah. and like it's, it's, is is thriving, I guess. Yeah. I like the scenes with, just the guys and they're just talking about what guys talk about at parties and it's just sex and drugs and not not anything substantial but they're talking about girls (laughs) i loved that part where the two guys were talking about anal and and he was like it's nature like yeah and if you find some shit like that's the risk (laughs) like don't be don't be surprised you knew what don't be surprised you knew what you were getting yourself in for like that's how I feel so much about when people find themselves in situations like chaotic situations it's like well you opted into it you you should have known I've been having this conversation with a lot of people lately where I'm like you you have to take responsibility exactly exactly situation You know, like my mom watch watches like Investigation Discovery. Like she's yeah. constantly like telling me about like the killer and like <laughs> and like when I like go on dates and mm-hmm. like the obsessive male mind and like mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. And so like, you know, I have this in, in my mind. So like mm-hmm. I have to know at some point, like this is, you know, what I'm getting myself into. Mm-hmm. And like uh like so like if something bad happens at a certain point, like where does my responsibility have to come into it you know right that's the worst part about when a party goes so haywire and totally wrong you're in this place in your mind where you're like oh shit part of this is also my fault um (laughs) i've been at many parties where like shit has just completely fallen apart and it's gone totally wrong and I'm like I'm also uh this is also my fault as well (laughs) so and like and that's the problem nowadays like nobody's taking responsibility for their actions and their desires yeah they think their desires are completely you know without consequence and um extremely come from a very innocent and pure place but it's not always the case right and like that's why like it's this Rousseauist idea of a view of nature that like we are like actually like 
good people and it's actually society that is like holding us down when in actuality like no like there is a dark underbelly to human nature that like must be honored and must we must know about it yeah it's almost something that you can't even uh put your finger on or articulate and many ever since the dawn of time people have tried to articulate what it is um but I guess I, I guess it is just nature. It's a weird ambient uh, underscoring of everyday life that you're constantly battling with and have to take responsi- responsibility for. Um, yeah, it's kind of haunting in, in a way. Yeah, because so. like they, I mean, but also like these people and the the dancers didn't know that the, the sangria right. was laced with LSD. Yeah. But but also like I don't know that the one woman who was who was pregnant. Yeah. Uh, what was her name? Um, Sal. Yeah, something. Gaspar uh, Noe. Uh, he's Lou. obsessed. Her yeah, name is Lou, Lou. Lou. Right. What were you guys um, saying? Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, this director loves natalism. Every woman, like there's always a pregnant woman or someone gets pregnant or someone gets raped and then is pregnant. There's always he, some kind of uh, subtext uh, as it applies to um, uh, conception and gestation and, uh, and women as well. Um, that's really interesting. Right, right. And like, and uh, Lou, like, didn't take the LSD mm-hmm. sangria like yeah. she because she took she knew that she was pregnant so she took responsibility for right. herself and like yeah. like but then ultimately like it, it didn't pan out well for her either yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you're right like there is a lot of like natalism in this in in this film like mm-hmm. like uh, Lou has that conversation with Selva at the be- towards the beginning where she like talks about Tito and the the woman and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm she almost aborted it, but then Mm -hmm. decided not to. Mm -hmm. But then ultimately she ends up killing her own child. Yeah. And (laughs) yeah. And that's, what's really interesting about his movies. There's always some kind of maternal dynamic going on. And um, he likes to kind of uh, put that up against some kind of parable of chaos, uh, which is really interesting and smart and kind of, um, you know, brings to light, uh, you know, contradictions. Right. And because the, and because the Dionysian is like maternal, like yeah. the Dionysus is more female, like, isn't like, didn't he, didn't Dionysus the God like come from a woman? Yes. She, yeah. He came from a mortal woman. Um, and yeah, he's the God of fertility and it's just interesting how he's the god of fertility, but also the god of, uh, you know, receding violence to violence. Death, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's very interesting to me. Um, and in theater. And so th- that's, um, that's something that's really, really interesting. Um, but in, in that way, I mean, the climax, the, this movie is like very, very Dionysian because it has all, all of those elements, you know, it has the, the sangria, you know, it has the, the dance. Um, and also it has, you know, the maternal aspect of, of that as well. Um, sangria means blood in Spanish, right? I 
think so. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I used to sort of speak Spanish, but I'm not sure. I, all I know is that it's extremely sugary. When you make it, you have to put like two cups of sugar in it. Like it's so it's yeah. sugar. It's delicious. It's delicious, but it's so sugary. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't I don't know if I'm necessarily a big sangria drinker, so I don't know if I would have drank. Maybe just, I would have by the social pressure to yeah, drink. I would have. It, it just um, it's really de- it's really delicious. It just it takes so much effort. You have to mix wine and some other liquid, and then you have to put fruit and sugar into it, and then mix it all up into. It's just a lot of work. So, <laughs> um, yeah. but. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, I like this movie a lot, and I like um, Sofia um, Butea a lot. She's like really pretty, she's so beautiful, <laughs> too. Know. Yeah, she's gorgeous, and she kind of looks like Dua Lipa to me with like blonde hair. Well, she's Algerian, so that makes sense. Dua Lipa oh. is also Algerian, I think. I think, I, I yeah, um, <laughs> one, one of those over there, um, yes, <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a, I, there, there's a lot of like talk of like God in this film too. It really, yes. At the beginning when the guy's like, Oh, we're, we're in, wait, we're, what does he say? God is with us when the party yes, starts. God is, God is with us. But then yeah. like those two guys that we're talking about anal sex, like are like dance and God do not go together. Yeah. <laughs> So like That's clearly weird. like so like clearly Gaspar Noé knows the the dichotomy mm-hmm. of like Dionysian versus Apollonian. Yeah. Religion being very Apollonian. Yeah, definitely. And I think the uh, all these characters sort of articulate that as well in the beginning in the interviews, you know, where they talk about um, like there's that one uh, younger gay guy who talks about how he he loves dance, you know, he loves, um, you know, it, it's what gives his life meaning. But he was he said, I would never want my parents to watch me <laughs> watch yeah. me dance um, and just well, little, little things like that. And in the interviews, like you kind of get the the impression that some of the dancers like are not necessarily that comfortable mm-hmm. dealing with the, the their nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like they're very, you know, and but uh, some of them are very like, I love to party, I love to dance, I love yeah. to have a good time. <laughs> yeah, really interesting that they all got thrown into this like mixture. I like but, the like, two uh, gay guy or not? They weren't gay. The two guys that um, they were dancers and they were like, oh, I've never worked with gay guys before, but I'm, I want to see for myself. I'm open to it. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think those were the guys that were talking about anal sex. Yeah, they were really cute. They were. Yeah. <laughs> so was the guy who I think his name was David. He yeah, was like the main guy with the Adidas jacket. Yes. Yeah, he was really cute. <laughs> I, I think he was like the most like uh he was like the hottest in this movie because he was like really violent too he looks like yeah like he looks like he could kill somebody he could do some damage yeah, yeah. he really could <laughs> um but yeah i other than that i mean it, yeah it's a really spiritual movie i think all of his movies have some kind of uh nod to spirituality and and God uh, in this way. Enter the void. Yeah, enter the void. I mean, all of. Uh, I've only seen climax and enter the void, but. 
I need to watch Irreversible. Oh God, (laughs) so much. Also, also just a great party movie. Uh, You know, wonderful uh, movie about like kind of a night going out and partying and the consequences of that. Um, Yeah, that's crazy. It reminds, yeah, but the climax. I mean, in its in the ways that it's positive, it reminds me of like especially in the beginning of the movie, it reminds me of like positivity of gathering with friends. Well, yeah, like theater people or artists in general just like really know how to party and like <laughs> let go. Yeah, probably, yeah, that's probably why we're all so fucked up. <laughs> well, I mean, you can say that uh, historically, the people who are the most marginalized usually have a lot of built up tension that they need to release and express. Mm, Um, So yeah, that's why, you know, there are people who just like are better at, there are certain um, people who are better than at partying than others. I'll just say that. Um, Yeah. (laughs) The film also has like really interesting, like quote interludes. Yes. I really liked that a lot. The film, like the film is dedicated it's like to our makers who are no longer with us, mm-hmm. which like that makes it really interesting when they're like, God is with us. It's like, yeah. okay, well then God actually isn't with us. I don't know. Uh, that was interesting. I liked the part at the end where it was upside down and it said uh, death is an incredible experience or something like that. Yes, it yeah. says death isn't it? Yeah, death, in a, death is an extraordinary experience. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> how mysterious i love it <laughs> truly and especially uh, if you put it upside down like you're really like really trying to get, yeah. get me going no, no but it, it's true though the times in your life where you're closest to uh coming to terms and confronting your own mortality is are those times where you feel like oh my god i really feel something actually right like well and it's like nietzsche says like in the dionysian we find oneness yeah because the the oneness is in that uh mortal part of beauty you know like the only time and in this way i think beauty is not subjective um like the times in our life that are most dramatic and truly beautiful like are usually taught bound to our mortality and our our nature, like, you know, giving birth, having sex, you know, all of these things that are like actually um, not subjective and like actually beautiful um, that we know are uh, and tied to our, what we understand cosmically. Um, So birth is a unique opportunity. Labor is an amazing thing. Yeah. Um, I wish I could give birth. I would love to have a baby. I I don't think I would keep the baby, but I would love to just like have the experience of giving birth. I think it would really ground me in reality. (laughs) I'm, I'm trying to probably get pregnant in like maybe three or four years, but I'm really looking Uh, forward. Yeah. I'm really, I know (laughs) I'm really looking forward to it because I am just looking forward to uh, exploring and, uh, you know, giving, uh, you know, being truly creative in that way, you know, my most, it, it will be my, right. my grand opus. <laughs> <laughs> right. and I'll, re- I'll really have to suffer for my art because I can't uh, be on stimulants. So <laughs> right. And like the morning sickness. I know. Really? I know the labor um, pains. I know so much. Yeah. So, but 
Yeah, I I think um, with all of Gaspar Noe's mo- movies, he's just the best at um, depicting violence in not a nihilistic way because he understands that violence is a consequence and is right. mostly um, irrational, ir- irrational and negative. <laughs> right, like when when Dom like kicks Lou after she tells her that she's pregnant, like. Mm. Oh my god! That I was, was like, oh that, my god! <laughs> yeah, that part was like the most visceral moment for me because I was like, oh my god! Like humanity has just like gone out the window, and it can go at any moment. I know, and it's like when Lou starts just cutting herself randomly. Yes. I was like, oh my god! And she's being egged, and she's being egged on by <laughs> her fellow dancers. I know. I liked the girl that had her uh, head on fire. Oh That's my crazy. god! Yes. <laughs> She's just screaming and like her head is like scalding, like yes. Oh, and God. she she's continually screaming, like even towards like even after the police come at the end, like she's still trying to throw water. I know onto her her scalp, and it's like at a certain point, don't you just want to like give up? <laughs> like, I know it. Uh, it reminds me, I was at this party once uh, in college and my friend tripped over a speaker cord and fell through, um, some drywall and there was a huge hole in the drywall and we had to get up the next <laughs> and like patch it up. It was really funny. Um, not another thing. Yeah, yeah. Another <laughs> thing that's like, uh, kind of like a connection to this film. Like I was at a party once and a woman started like peeing herself on the porch and oh we my were just gosh, like, yes, we were just- <laughs> We were just like, we don't know what to do right now, but we were so drunk and gone. Like we didn't, we wanted to help, but like, we were just like this, the surreal, like how surreal the moment was. Like yeah. we didn't know what to do. I've been, Which, in, it feels have, awful same, but like, yeah, you just don't know what to do. There was like a moment I was at a party once and our friend, like, I, I mean, this has happened to me many times. Like it happens to everyone when you're just partying, everything's fine. And all of a sudden someone just starts crying and you don't know why. Yes. <laughs> and uh, you don't want to get into it, but somehow, um, yeah, the, there's always some, was, some girl crying. <laughs> yeah. Selva was really like crying like in this film. She was really giving herself over. She, she um, gave a great performance. I really liked her. And you can also tell, um, her you can also tell that she's a dancer i just love the way her arms look and she has a great body too she has an amazing body her arms are like so muscular and um beautiful and like angular mm-hmm. um it really gives me a lot of hope for <laughs> my own physique um but yeah and also in that scene where selva's doing the irrational dancing in the kitchen she also like there's kind of like a nod to the Bacchae a little bit mm-hmm. when yeah. she like looks at the nature, the, the forest wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of like Bacchanal rituals took place in the forest. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was cause like in ancient Greece, like people like looked at these people who like worship Dionysus, like as freaks, yeah. like, because they kind of are yeah. like theater theater people are fucking free. Yeah. Like, I don't trust and so, any of them. <laughs> yeah. And so like, so like, yeah, it was, it was a really interesting, like in a beautiful moment. Yeah. I really, watch. I really liked that. That was like one of the um, best sort of almost, they're almost comp- dance combinations uh, in themselves when we have mm-hmm. these uh, uh, moments of 
uh, these people going crazy. And I loved it when she just kind of sits on the couch and puts her hands underneath her tights. And then she's like, starts yes. screaming. It's just great. Um, but and yeah. towards the end when there was like that couple having sex in the middle of the dance floor, like, it oh, was just yeah. Like, just it- perfect Dionysian revelry. Yeah, and you you could say that it really is a, a pure, um, just like zooming out. It, it gives a you know it's a good example of what like a play structure should be like. There should be you know this exposition of storytelling, giving kind of context and information, and then a you know rise slowly rising to the climax, and then everything just kind of like tumbling down and uh, being a consequence of that. And we can see that in this movie at the end where there's just like these red, dark flashing lights. People are like fucking on the dance floor. And yes. um, and then these I, uh, firefighters, I guess, come into the school the next day and they're like, what the hell happened here? Um, and also like when Omar got blamed for spiking the sangria mm-hmm. and they just like threw him out without any sort of evidence. They were just like, like that is what is so terrifying about this film you know, is like when, when logic, you know, like logic has like caused a lot of problems in society, Mm -hmm. but like also like logic, like we depend on it so much to like, you know, and like, and like the benefit of the doubt goes out the window. Like that is what is terrifying. Yeah. It's funny when uh, he got the, uh, he got thrown out. It feels very uh, Greek to me in that way because yes. the ancient Greeks, um, they would just throw you out um, as long as you. It would basically, if if you had a, if there was a good excuse and um, a ju- a ju- any arguable um, justification for ostracizing someone, they would just be like, okay, that seems legitimate, and they would just kick you out. And that's where rhetoric largely came from. Is just as rhetoric as it applies to giving a reason for something so um obviously they didn't have any kind of the law system that we do or trial system we do today but um in ancient greece they did have this routine of okay as whoever has the best argument just pick that person and we'll we'll have them you know justified uh, which is really interesting wild yeah (laughs) yeah also ancient greece is like because like when you look at like um, the Oresteia, like that's where we get like democracy, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, like a trial by dirt, like by peers, by your, like. yeah, by your peers, yeah. <sighs> wow, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, <clears throat> I would. N- I have. Have you ever been? Have you ever been to, like to a jury or anything? Or <laughs> not? Not yet. Or, Keep I've your never fingers been. Fingers crossed. I, know, I don't I, really. I don't really want to go, but I don't want to go either. But <laughs> one day it happens to all of us. So unless I get yeah. on like on like a, a trial that's like super interesting, mm-hmm. you know, then I can and then I can like delve into the psychology yeah. of <laughs> the, the well, perpetrator. Well, you know what's really Edged. interesting? There's <laughs> there's this uh, case or. There was this uh, incident downtown recently, this schizophrenic guy in Chicago, he just um, came into a Chase Bank downtown and stabbed a woman in the neck. And um, it's really interesting to me because I've been going back 
because he had 11 felonies underneath his belt uh, previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and his mom was trying to get him help because he had like this schizophrenic, you know, disorder. Um, and just anytime like chaos happens like that, I'm like so interested in it. So I'm like, what were the events that gave this, you know, that gave us this kind of like chaos? I'm like, this person should probably be, you know, put somewhere, some kind of help or something. Um, right. But people with schizophrenia are so interesting because like they're just like so they're just so in tune with like the chaos of nature, it feels like. And yeah, you they know kind what, of just like do whatever they want. Almost. Well, you know what's weird? I personally thought I had schizophrenia when I was like 23, but I just had to, I think, a really bad anxiety disorder. But mm. it, what's really haunting about it is that it came out of um, going to a party. And then the next uh, morning, I was really confused and I convinced myself that I had like hurt someone or like stabbed somebody. And I, my mind kept flashing it in my uh, brain. And, (laughs) and um, I just like found myself like waking up every single day um, with this image uh, in my head. Um, So, but, but luckily I I think it wasn't, I I got help for that, but (laughs) I do, I do think, I do think about it a lot. And I was like, was I going crazy? Cause you usually develop um, schizophrenia, schizophrenia in your early twenties. Mm. But I think um, I think uh, it, I I don't have it so luckily. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I think I was just like, well, I mean, we've all had those moments where like you oh, wake yes. up the next day and you're like, what did I do? Did I do that? Did I do? Did I do No longer. No. No more. That's 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 past me now. So. <laughs> Thank God. But yeah. But who, who knows? Really. Have you ever Have you ever done LSD? I've never, I'm so, I'm such a, I've been known to be very debaucherous and rebellious, um, but I, so I'm such a softy and I'm so uh, frail and weak, you know, I've never done any LSD. I've never done acid. You know, I barely smoke weed. I smoke, you know, I probably do like an edible, like I'll do an edible, like maybe a couple, it depends on what I'm going through, but I'll do an edible here and there. Um, but I'm yeah. mostly just like a really good drinker, unfortunately. Um, and <laughs> Me too. Yeah, sadly, it's like the only thing I'm good at. I did a very tiny bit of cocaine once, but it didn't even work on me. I feel like it's not. You were wor- just, yeah, you were just so you were already so up that it just like didn't the cocaine got to my brain and was like, no, this girl all is already so frenetic. <laughs> she just doesn't need it. Also, it's like coke is just it's all laxatives like all the coke that comes in now is all laced with laxatives and it's just not real anymore it's stupid wild yeah i mean in the, obviously in the 80s when it was basically being uh airdropped here obviously that was the time where it was fresh and ripe but now i just feel like it's not worth it anymore it's the rich man's drug it's so expensive and it doesn't last long so just don't do it, kids. Or so, co- so cocaine is in its decadent phase. No, right yeah, it's, cocaine is really, at, at least in my general uh, social sphere, I'm not really attracted to it, and I've just seen it just not be very attractive. But 
do do what you will. <laughs> um, but I'm I right. am inter- I am I am interested in ketamine and its pre- prevalence among young people because it's a disassociative, um, which is interesting to me because it kind of helps that disassociate dissociation kind of helps with um, socializing. Um, so yeah, I don't Dang. know why. I think it's also becoming just less and less illegal, um, because it's being able to be administered, um, through private clinics more and more, um, now, but yeah. I was, I was really intrigued that they were like, we need to take cocaine to like stave off the effects of the LSD. Like it's so wild that they like, yeah. <laughs> that you have to like, take other drugs to like counteract a well, drug you know what that that is so funny because I actually kind of relate to that that's something like I wish to remember so many times partying and like even now where I'm like oh no I'm too high I'm too high like you know what uh you know drinking will help like or if you get too drunk <laughs> you're like if I get too drunk you're like oh if I smoke a little weed like that'll be that'll definitely <laughs> help me so much it just never works out Crossfading. I know. Mm, <laughs> so crossfading. Horrible. Um, so yeah, everybody, yeah, obviously be be extremely, extremely safe and um, you know, take responsibility yeah, for your take choices. responsibility, yeah. Seriously. Um, but there's nothing safe when you take a drug, like no, it's it's not. It's so it's so bad. Like drug, the drug potential, drug the po- especially when you mix it with like dark nature, yeah, and you are altering your mind, like. It's just a recipe for violence and, the, and the chaos. Dark, and... The dark nature of my own minds, too. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Crazy. Um, but so I so let's get into this play. I wanted to talk about one of my favorite plays um, by one Killer of Joe. Killer Joe. Probably um, Tracy Letts is probably like one of the best playwrights of the last 30 years. And I'd agree with that. He just knows how to write American paranoia in a mm. really masculine, intense, uh, wild way. Um, and he has an incredible, uh, distinguished uh, rule of ethics and knows how to articulate that in a play script. And you can do that really well with violence um, when you're trying to observe the absurdity of man. And I think that is what Killer Joe does really well. Right. Um, Yeah. Because like it's uh, Killer Joe is part of the in your face theater movement, Mm -hmm. which like Sarah Kane belongs to as well. Yeah. Which like tries to show the absurdities of man through violence. Oh yes, definitely. So, um, so basically, Killer Joe is about this family that wants to uh, kill their, uh, kill the mother uh, for the <laughs> insurance money. And what's great about this play is that stuff like this happens all the time. People kill each other for insurance money, like constantly. So it's, so scary. It's so scary. It's something that <laughs> happens like every day. Um, and the plan is to uh, basically divide up the money among the family members because the youngest daughter is the beneficiary and um, of uh, $50,000 in insurance money. Well, or yeah. so we're led to believe. Yeah, which we're, we're led to believe. 
Um, and uh, I don't, I don't think I'll, re- I don't think we'll reveal. What well, should we reveal? Like what? I mean, worst uh, spoiler <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Okay. Point. Well, what what is great about this uh, play is that um, so much is uh, revealed and um, brought to brought to light. So uh, the um, man that they hire to kill their uh, mother, his this name, this man's name is, I guess, Killer Joe, <laughs> and uh, he uh, they obviously cannot pay him up front, so they negotiate to allow Joe to have sex with the youngest daughter um it, you know in exchange for deferring the you know paying the money up front um and it's just wild and really s- sad and scary like this um did you watch the movie the i have not the seen the movie yet but i know that matthew mcconaughey and um emile hirsch are in it yeah right? Yeah, I mean, the movie is, what's interesting about the movie, it's good, it definitely gets the job done, but it's not the same as, you know, imagining it as you read it and also possibly seeing it uh, in front of your eyes in a play, Um, but it's just wild and extremely sexually violent. Um, Killer Joe has sex with this youngest uh, daughter, um, Dottie, and it's really sad. And, you know, he comes over and she tells him that she's a virgin and everything. Um, It's very, it's very wild. And you, you see everything (laughs) and all Tracy lets, lets plays. You see everything on stage. Like there's, there's nothing there's, but but it's done in a in a very classy way where um, you kind of are are you do understand what's happening and you you genuinely are traumatized by it, like the violence and the sexual violence in this play. It's really really disturbing and traumatizing and not like corny or cartoonish. Well, yeah, and like there was that article that I sent you about the guy who was performing it in Chicago, and then like. Mm-hmm he he got so taken away by it and he was like no this must be real like we we must i must choke this woman right now on stage i must throw this guy into the fridge oh my god that's so silly but like that's like that's the like uh, the thing about like if you don't give give an actor parameters Mm -hmm. like and like also like my one of my acting professors in college would always say like you have to have like a 10% cool mind mm-hmm. that allows you to like realize that like this isn't actually happening like yeah, it's, it's happening but it's like not happening yeah you kind of have to have some foundation of this is what the routine is this is obviously not real and the point of the work is to um be have this emotional uh, connection to it but um it's, it's about making believe. So you're trying yeah. to make the audience believe that it's real. And I saw um, Buena Vista at the Seven Wolf and I was like, wow, like you, you see, you see tits, you see ass. Is that another every- Tracy Let's Play? Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's really okay. good. Kind of same kind of, he writes, just writes really good uh, male characters that are like suffering <laughs> the, the demons in their mind. Um, I mean, I was going to say like, Tracy Letts has like the right amount 
of like misogyny because mm-hmm. like like Joe says like to Dottie who's like the young woman he says like because women are deceitful and lying and manipulative and vicious and vituperative and black-hearted and evil and old and then Dottie says yeah, yeah. Well, that line is amazing because it's extremely foreboding. Um, <laughs> yes. And uh, it's kind of an allusion to what's going to happen. You, we basically are, it is, yeah, it's basically revealed. Well, first, first it is revealed that Dottie is not the beneficiary. It's actually um, Rex, who yeah. is the, what, what's new, their? I think he's the new boyfriend. The new boyfriend of, the mom. The mom. Yes. So it's revealed that Rex is the beneficiary. Um, so um, that that kind of, uh, you know, t- takes quite quite a turn. I actually really liked the scene um, where I, it was it was in the movie. Um, they actually carried out. They showed like her body being carried out and like threw the mom's body in the back of the car and lit it on. Oh, fire. shit. Yeah, <laughs> that was really interesting. Um, Tracy Letts plays always have really like interesting like uh twists you know like like you know in in Killer Joe it's the reveal that um the mom or that Rex was the policyholder yeah but then but also like in August Osage County you it's revealed that Violet, Viola, mm-hmm. the mom she knew that her husband was going to kill himself so then she but she did not mm-hmm. do anything to like get the insurance money. Yes, right. Um, and just and Killer Joe, I love the lore around this. Uh, the just general lore about like the history of this play is really interesting to me because it is one of like the most like violent and sexually violent like plays of the last <laughs> like. Uh, yeah, it's just an, an ama- has an amazing history. It's incredibly uh, violent. Every second you're reading this play, it keeps you on the edge of your seat. And your heart is like racing when you watch this play constantly throughout the whole um, play. And uh, I think that it, in that way, it's a, a, an amazing exa- example of what drama can do to us and like the potential mm. for um, for drama and what, you know, what what it can you know the memory it can um leave on us so well and to and to reveal the darker (laughs) aspects of human nature yeah which is maybe why like uh um theater like dionysus is the god of theater is because like we're 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 revealed shown these really dark thing yeah and how the most naturalistic uh parts of ourselves are the most terrifying and um scary and horrifying and bear the most consequences um it's also probably because like di- uh, theater is more like like wavy movement yeah live yeah it's like like a painting is like st- hard line this is what it is you know (laughs) apollonian Mm -hmm. so that's probably another reason yeah and also theater is about um uh indulging in catharsis and sometimes indulging yourself in catharsis is uh painful either uh on someone else or uh 
you know, brings about pain to uh, your your future. Um, and it, it's really interesting, like the impulse to kill your own mother for the insurance money um, is like wild to think about, but it makes this play makes you think about the great lengths that people go to for money because, you know, we have like this deep, dark underbelly of our natural selves that are like very greedy and out for our own benefit constantly. Um, So that's like really, really scary. Um, So then obviously in the play, it's revealed that um, uh, it was what's her faces uh, plan to take the insurance money. Yes. um, Sarla, Sarla. Yes. Yes. Sarla. Sarla, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. Because she's um, having an affair with Rex. Yep. So it was her plan to actually um, take all of the beneficiary money. Um, uh, and yeah, to, she was going to take it all for herself, right? Or, yeah. Yeah, basically. And, and, the way, and the way that Joe like corners her mm-hmm. and tries to get it out of her, it's very like succinct. Yeah. and direct and to the point and like I just yeah. think that's such an attractive quality in a man <laughs> well um I mean Joe is is the man who's gonna do the task he's gonna get it done and he's trying to fulfill this task and get what he wants so he wants first he wants the money they can't give it to him so then he has sex with Dottie and now he's you know trying to get his money and find it find out like who you know is you know giving me the runaround here who mm-hmm. is the person that you know decided to do this and then uh, when it is revealed that it is uh, the, um, the or yeah, the, the stepmother, um, it just completely goes haywire. And he um, basically orchestrates like everyone to do everything he says yeah. un- until um, Dottie snaps. <laughs> right. <laughs> she really does snap at the she end. Snaps. Oh my God. But... And that scene is, yeah. is, is, is crazy. It's iconic. Cause like, <laughs> yeah. Cause like Ansel is just like sitting there as his wife is like being beaten up by, um, uh, uh killer Joe. Yeah. You see the duality of man, like a really weak man versus like a really strong man. Yeah. you do. Um, and uh, it's, it, and then he like, just like, throws his son under the bus i guess we should also mention that his son like i forget what his son's name is chris chris i don't know something like that. it doesn't matter yeah. anyways his son he is wanted for he's been selling cocaine and he his mom took all his cocaine and like sold it for herself mm-hmm. or used it herself and so now like people are out to get him and that's why he has to get the help of killer Joe to like get the insurance money. But Ansel, the father throws his son under the bus and it's just like, it's, and I, I just, the motive, like what is the motivation behind it? You know, like the father is supposed to like want to protect their son. Yeah. And what's great about uh, this um, play and what makes it truly dramatic is that every single character is implicated in this uh, 
you know, in some kind of uh, moral judgment and nobody is really truly free of any kind of moral judgment. I was talking to my friend about this and he was saying like, oh, poor Dottie. Da, da, da. And I'm like, she's kind of complicit in all of this as well. She's obviously the youngest and doesn't really have any power in the family dynamic, but you know, she also uh, at the beginning of the play, she also says, yes, that's a good idea. We should kill our, you know, my mom <laughs> for this right. insurance money. She wants, she literally she, offers her own body in exchange for her mom to be de- killed. <laughs> she also knew that yeah. Sharla or whatever her name is, was <laughs> having, was having an affair with Rex. She was like, oh, is that your boyfriend on the phone that you're talking to? Like- she knows. She knows. So everyone is implicated in this evil deed of wanting to kill the mom. And the mom does die um, basically uh, for no reason at the end because Dottie snaps and gets a hold of Killer Joe's gun and uh basically kills everyone in the scene and then yeah scene. <laughs> the her brother dies yeah she, she shoots she shoots him in the heart mm-hmm. yeah the father doesn't he get doesn't he die yeah he or like he's he's like seriously injured yeah they're like seriously injured because um he like backs up and the the fridge like falls on him something like that um they all Dottie gets a hold of the gun and they all stand up. They're like, no, it's, it's so, it sounds like cheesy, but it truly is like so terrifying and scary. Um, just that this whole scene where, um, you know, leading up to this moment where uh, Joe was like, very angry and uh, trying to, you know, get the truth revealed to him about who decided to you know do this. And um, yeah, Dottie basically snaps and um, everyone, uh, yeah, she basically kills everyone. <laughs> she just shoots the guy. Well, one guy, the dad dies, and um, we're, I, we are left with this cliffhanger because she has got the gun pointing at Killer Joe, and then it's like a blackout. Um, but, but before that, then yeah. she has like this major eleventh eleventh hour revelation. Yes, yes, that she is pregnant with Killer Joe's baby. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes, which is so fascinating. <laughs> In Jungian psychology, a baby is the reconciliation of differences. That's true. So it it is. It, it, is it, it, it makes her recognize almost maybe in that moment the the consequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and it makes probably makes her realize that's probably why she is uh, hesitant to kill Joe. Um, you know, last because she's maybe coming to her senses and recognizing some, some sort of uh, difference. When I also yeah. think it's really interesting that the baby can now represent like the payment, you know? Yeah, that's sense. true. Yeah. The baby can like, is, uh, <laughs> sort of, yeah. Like the baby, like now the families are not going to have to like worry about ha- like having to pay it back. Cause now there's a baby in the picture. Yeah. And there's, and there's a much, there's a much bigger, uh, thing at hand yeah that's true um but the the whole i mean the whole story is just so it moves very quickly it, it really does and it's a it's a good play for someone who is maybe not interested in theater or um play scripts um but this uh, particular play is really ex- accessible 
and easy it's gritty. to it's gritty it's violent it's graphic it's really easy to read um you just have everything all out on the table and um you have just you're on that your edge of, edge of your seat constantly um so the, yeah. i something that came up for me when i was reading it is like the way that they described the mom like dotty and Dottie's mom yeah she sounds a lot like Casey Anthony like uh, uh, apparently her mom tried to like kill her like uh ex ex (laughs) you got it you got this you got this asphyxiate asphyxiate her as a child yeah and Casey Anthony literally did the same thing yeah allegedly yeah (laughs) Yeah, it has that weird um, mythological uh, uh, aspect to it, kind of the impetus to, or, you know, the, the feelings about um, your own mother and, uh, you know, uh, mater- maternity and mm, motherhood yeah. and the, um, the consequences of that and the the dynamics that that holds yeah so i loved how at the end killer joe was like a baby a baby (laughs) oh yeah 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 she's she's revealed that like she's pregnant and then all of a sudden he's like what he's like so excited he goes from like totally angry to like so super super happy and she's about to kill him and it completely goes to black Damn. It's, insa- it's insane. <laughs> yeah, I I really really like this play a lot. I do too. It's just it's just the best. It's like one of like my favorite plays, and it just grips you. Like these characters jump out of the page and like strangle you. That's what it feels like. A lot well, of they're, it's it's they're in your face. <laughs> yeah, and they're strangling each other. You know. Yes. He like tries I... to he tries to like choke or strangle like Sarla or she he kicks her I know there's just so much so much action like I know um, whenever I read like any one of Tracy let's face I'm like oh the action is happening finally something is happening (laughs) before my eyes which like when I think about August Osage County it's probably his most talkative play yes definitely because like the action doesn't start happening until they're at the dinner post-funeral yeah that's that's true um, but this one is this this play partic- in particular is the most like just pure action basically. Like it truly is like what we say like either you're fighting you're trying to fight someone or you're trying to fuck someone. And <laughs> I really get right. that out of this play. Well, and it's like that. It's that Nietzsche pleasure pain, mm-hmm. which like Nietzsche played a really interesting role in climax as well. Mm-hmm. Because, like, yeah. his books were referenced in the beginning when they were all being interviewed. Yeah, and... Jen. Yeah, and I liked the, uh, that one um, dancer in the beginning of Climax where she was, like, she basically said, oh, if I couldn't dance, I'd just commit suicide, you know? Yeah. Which is interesting because Nietzsche does talk about, you know, how we, you know, shouldn't uh, kill ourselves because we have the will to um have power over our own destiny um and yeah and i was also reading a little bit of 
Albert um, Camus, Myth of Sisyphus. Um, since, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Since, <laughs> since we were talking about Party Girl, um, because Camus kind of takes Nietzsche's ideas a little further and emphasizes more on the aspect of not uh, refusing suicide from the beginning and not even thinking about it. Um, I mean, he has also his own uh, contradictions because um, sometimes I feel like he justifies, uh, you know, <laughs> being downtrodden and poor is <laughs> sometimes a little too much, but, um, you, you kind of get the gist of what these guys are saying that, you know, you have the will to have power over your own life, um, and that you shouldn't kill yourself because, um, any, anything could happen. <laughs> so, uh, but sometimes when you try to will over your life, right. nature kicks you in the ass. <laughs> Yeah, and I think both, uh, you know, uh, Climax and Killer Joe, they they do um, make you confront with this dichotomy of, you know, uh, receding into your naturalistic, animalistic state and trying to have sort of have will or power um, over it, which um, many, many people, you know, cannot <laughs> help themselves or control themselves sometimes. And exactly a lot of, and especially for, um, killer Joe in specific, uh, it's specifically, uh, it's really interesting that this, um, this family is so clearly very, like they live in a trailer park. They're very like downtrodden. Um, yeah. $50,000 isn't even that a lot of money, but <laughs> They're, right. they're like, so they're just like, red. they're like, yes, we need to, we need to kill her. <laughs> well, and like the, the son, Chris, whatever his mm-hmm. name is, like he, he wants to take Dottie with him, yes. but then like the violence ensues and it just like, go, that plan just goes to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, I it'll be funny if I'm like, is this character's name, Chris? I forget, but, um, it's interesting that he's a. It's interesting that he is has like a, a gambling like uh prop you know problems with like selling selling drugs and yeah. some, things like that. Um, everyone in every one of these characters has they sort of bear some kind of other affliction. Um, and it is interesting because it just seems like everything does come back to. I mean, Dottie. Um, talks about how uh, her mother was extremely abusive and they seem in some way that they're sort of blaming their situation and their afflictions on their, uh, you know, rearing their and their mother and trying to sort of take out their uh, pain on their mother by killing, killing her. And they're um, obviously it completely blows up in their face, literally at the end. (laughs) You know who'd make a really great Killer Joe? Who? <laughs> <laughs> I was like imagining like Christopher Maloney. Who's that? <laughs> the guy from Law and Order SVU, and he was on Oz, and he's really hot. He has a really nice ass. Christopher Maloney. Is he Italian? I may. Oh, wait, here he is. Oh, yeah. Wow, he's really hot. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got one of those like powerful, like gigantic foreheads that look like yes. they could like he could uh, do some like, damage. He could headbutt you with this gigantic And I would be forehead. happy about it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Um it's like I, I mean Matthew McConaughey was probably great in the film. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but 
He was, and everybody was really good. I, I watched the movie, and the movie is actually um, the play script verbatim. It's like oh, just completely. So you can definitely tell it has that play energy to it um, and dramatic quality to it. Um, it gets the job done. It's definitely not the same, but it's extremely, like you can tell that it's supposed to be a play um, in its movement. And they didn't really take any cinematic liberties with it. It just kind of, when I watched the movie, it just seemed like we've got a play, we've got a script, so let's throw a bunch of people, let's just do it. You know, they didn't, it just didn't seem like the director did any, um, took any um, creative liberties with it, which is good, um, but um, I, I'm just like, oh, it, it takes, there's so many opportunities with a movie to add, like to, so in that way, it was more like a play and less like a movie, but whatever. It was, it was good. Matthew McConaughey was great. <laughs> he just played himself kind of, um, which I liked. So that he did. <laughs> yep. He really did. Yeah. That, um, um, that scene where he is having sex with Dottie is like so sad <laughs> um, and like intense. Um, it's just really, really creepy. <laughs> Damn. I yeah. was hoping that they had like a good sexual chemistry because like I mean in the play you don't really get to see them having sex but like yeah I imagine that there was like some good sexual tension there but I, it was yeah. it was a lot of tension it was definitely a lot of tension but he basically obviously yeah it's in the play he um basically just tells her to like just close your eyes and think about your boyfriend from the third grade <laughs> and everything oh yes yeah. oh my god yeah it's really sad and weird it just makes you really uncomfortable which is good you know <laughs> well Matthew that- McConaughey was also really uncomfortable in Magic Mike like he's- his character was super weird in that movie too he's really good at making you feel like this is wrong like and even in Dallas Buyers Club when he's like and he basically is like this emaciated AIDS patient um mm. you just it makes you feel really uncomfortable but he is a great he's a really good performer um and potential governor of Texas well yeehaw <laughs> that's awesome I love that I didn't even know who's running wait is he legitimately running? um I think he's like considering it which like good for him he might um, as well at this point I'm so excited like uh, Matthew McConaughey is going to be the governor of Texas. Caitlin uh, Jenner is going to be like, we're just going to have a nation of stars. It really will be like the the star. <laughs> the 50 know, nifty the, United States. Right, the really. 50 stars, the yeah. 50 nifty United States. Yeah, and Kanye will be president. Everything is going to be amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, everything will be right in the world. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It truly will be like a, a, a Dionysian, uh, you know, w- worship a little bit, you know. <laughs> it's kind of like theatrical, right. mat- theatrical, somber madness, definitely. Because a lot right. of the, uh, yeah, the Dionysian like early like worship uh, rituals uh, were kind of seen as like very somber um, kind of madness. Mm, that's probably that explains why like, people thought that they were like fucking freaks. Yeah, <laughs> insane, <laughs> running around in like the forest and stuff, naked, naked. <laughs> I'm like, oh god, that's crazy. But also, that might be part of the problem of today's society is that we're too like strict and like we're like you must wear the mask like. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the mask stays on. No, I, yeah, I, I think it's like so diet. It's I think it's uh, 
Apollonian dressed up as a Dionysian sometimes. Well, and like um, when yeah. I went to when I went to that show the other night, like there was no alcohol served. That's just wrong. everything. Everything felt very like sterile. In its place. Yeah. Yes, I was like, this is not theater. No, this is not theater. That's so weird. It, I want something fucking crazy to happen yeah. to me when I go to the theater. I'm going to fucking I, snap on you all. Yes. <laughs> I mean, did you hear about the fight that broke out in Chicago, like when Chicago opened up the musical on Broadway? There was a fight in the mezzanine. Well, that's fun. I like Exactly. That. That's what you want. Yeah. Well, isn't that funny how like the shit that now is happening in public is more exciting than anything anybody could ever write, you know, exactly. kind of like the shit that goes on that you see sometimes in public is like more exciting and titillating and violent than uh, it, that's so different than anyone could ever uh, write or depict because um, I feel like people act on a very from a very sterile place when they start writing um, mm. and from a place that is not loaded with anticipation um, because, you know, you can definitely see like there's a lot of anticipating in like both climax and killer jokes. You're just kind of on the edge of You're your You're just seat, waiting for waiting. something to happen. And that's kind of how public life feels like sometimes like I'm in the grocery store. It's like, it's silent. I'm walking my dog. I'm like, I just know somebody's going to fucking snap and it's going to be great, but it's also going to be in horrible, you know? Yeah. So um, I was thinking, I, I was just entertaining the idea of like getting a taser. Cause I was thinking to myself, it was like, it's like a bored idea. I was like, what, what do I need to get a taser? And you have to have um, a gun license or you have to have a firearms license to have really? in, in Illinois. Yeah. You have to oh, have okay. a Yeah. You basically have to have a firearms license to get a taser, which kind of sucks because that'd That's, be sweet. I, I know. To, I would love to tase somebody. <laughs> or tase myself just to feel yeah, something. Just, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But Hi, the, honey. I got a new toy. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That could really excite in the bedroom. Yeah. No, you I would. an electro play tonight? Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I would never get a taser, but I, I think about like, if I was ever privy to anyone, like if I was ever to get mugged, like what am I supposed to do? I can't, I can't walk around with a knife because then I would have to like wrestle throughout my purse and like try to, True. and like it's already over. Um, I don't, I don't trust myself with a, a gun, um, oh, but I would, I would, <laughs> I would be like, well, <laughs> just how I approach everything. I'm like, oh my God, how do you do this? Like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, so I could, I could never, you know. Even though I absolutely love the image of a gun, I don't mm -hmm. think I could handle a gun. No, I would like to go to a gun range and like learn, have some like big fat guy like your like exactly. teach me about about it and be like, this is the way. And then I always see those videos of girls like shooting a gun and like you have to put you have to like there's a um, a posture you're supposed to have. Um, and then when you shoot it, it like fires, it'll probably, it would very probably powerful. fire back into my face, probably because of just because of the velocity of it. Or, yeah. But as Nietzsche said, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> it's so true. I've had so many of those moments, especially like after a party or something and where I'm just like, oh my God, that, that's amazing. Like I survived. Like This is incredible, you know? Right. And now you have like, now you're for the, like you're stronger for it. Yeah, for better or worse, I guess. Exactly. Now you know. 
Yeah. Okay. The, the, well, many, the many times I've been, you know, uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I, I can, I've said too much. <laughs> All okay. right. Well, great. Uh, good luck, Maddie. Good luck, Josh. Good luck. <laughs>